Please take a seat. Thank you, Joanna, for reading that passage. We're going to reflect on these four verses now for a few minutes, and then a little bit later on in the service, uh, Manju's going to come and look at the, the second four verses. Um, it's a bit of a, a kind of global expression to say that the first four are to do with our relationship with God and the second four are to do with our relationship to each other. That's how we're going to focus on it a little bit today. Uh, every verse has something to do with our relationship with God and every verse has something to do with our relationship with each other. Um, but Jesus is talking, blessed means happy or bliss. And when we think of bliss, maybe we think of a nice warm bath or a nice hot chocolate after a cold day in the snow. And we think of feeling things, comfort things. And, and these verses don't really, um, don't, don't really speak into that sort of comfort mentality. Uh, we are very much ruled, I don't know if it's in all of the world, but I think in the West, um, we're very much ruled by how we feel about things. Our emotions are king. Uh, if we feel that God is with us, then we're very happy on our faces. If we kind of feel, oh, maybe he's not listening, maybe he's not hearing what we're asking for, we can get quickly despondent. Uh, our emotions fluctuate so much, um, and I think maybe particularly teenagers uh, in those years when everything is changing, those emotions go up and down even more accentuated than us adults, but I think it's there for us as well. And we probably recognize. But it's a delight to know that what Jesus says brings happiness and blessedness is much deeper, much more solid, much more lasting and he holds us in his hands through it all. So that's what we sang about in that very first song. When we hear Jesus saying, do you know what's gonna make you happy? Go and get persecuted. We're like, huh? Does Jesus know what he's saying here? Because persecuted and happiness, they don't match. Jesus says they do. So maybe there's something that he knows that we don't quite know yet. So I'm hoping as a way of helping us understand these verses, we're gonna look at them through the eyes of another story that Jesus told, a story of two sons, which I think most of the kids and adults might know as the prodigal son. They were both, I think, in a search for happiness and love from their father. But the younger son, he was fed up with all of the rules and all the things he had to do at home and all the chores. So he decided to go and look for his happiness in maybe escapism, entertainment. I don't know, modern day equivalent could have been sex, drugs, rock and roll, who knows, but it's that sense of I'm gonna go off somewhere and find my happiness for myself, maybe money. And I think we, we do that as well. I don't know about you, I'm a bit of a computer game person. <laughs> when, I, when I get a little bit like stressed or I just want to relax or I want to not think about all the things I have to think about, oh, I'll just get my game. And it's not a very good habit, but it's there and I have to recognize it's there. 
Um, but it is definitely, uh, oh, I don't want to think about this, don't want to deal with this, so I'm just going to find my escape. And I think you can probably all think of what yours is. Um, just leaving that up there and the hanging there, so you just think about it. And then we have the other brother. Now, he was there, he was near the home, he was near the father, he was busy, busy, busy doing all the right things trying to please, perhaps, trying to get recognition in a way. Can I have, sorry, can I have the next screen, Rajesh? I think he reminds me of perhaps the church. People who come into the church, do all the things. They're really close to where God dwells, but they haven't quite necessarily come into the party. They're uh, putting on their holy faces. We kind of all do that as well. When we come to church, we all look, oh, look, our families are all great. And then we go home and in the car, we're like, <laughs> so, um, and it also, I think the teenagers are a great light on us in this because they, they see our inconsistencies. It's really, really frustrating <laughs> when they can see that we're desperately wanting to live a godly life and yet they can expose, they see all our weaknesses and uh, they can see our hypocrisy. So both these brothers searching, one trying to do escapism, happy things, one maybe doing all the right things, but still just judging, complaining, oh, what you let him come back for? All of that kind of stuff goes on, and I think we recognize it. So what's this got to do with the Beatitudes? Well, a little bit further in the story, we see the younger brother on the pig farm, He's at the end of himself. He's, he hasn't found what he wanted in all of the things he tried. So there he is with the pigs. He's poor physically. He has nothing physically. But also he's recognizing now that he's poor in spirit. He needs something more than what he's had. That's the first step, just recognizing that we need God. He's probably very upset. I would say he's mourning. For all that he's lost, he's talking to himself, saying, oh, the servants, they even have all of this stuff, and I have lost it all. He's grieving for what he's wasted. And then, blessed are the meek. What's meek? Well, really, it's being in a position of saying, do you know, I can't do it. I have to be humble. I have to be gentle. I can't go to my father and say, oh, for goodness sake, that didn't work. I need more money. I need to go and try it again. No, he comes and he goes, his little speech. Okay, I've sinned against heaven and before you. I'm not worthy to be your son. He's, he's trying, even if it's genuine or not from the start, we don't really know, but he's trying to humble himself, go to his father. And of course, he's hungry. He's physically hungry and thirsty. But I think it's deeper than that. He's hungry for the love of the father, for the emotional security that being in the home brings. I don't know if he's expecting to get what he gets, but he's ready to go back just as a servant. And when he does go back, can we move on to the, the, the father? I've sort of gone bypassed the slides. A couple more, Rajesh. The father is there with open arms, open arms of love, and he says, come. Come in, come into the party. Have a, I have a feast ready for you. 
It's all my doing. It's not you. It's not about you, actually. It's about me and what I'm prepared to give you. And he's asking the older brother as well. He goes out to him. He said, come into the party. It's left hanging for us. We don't know whether the older brother ever did come in or not. But the message for me when I was rereading these verses was, it's all about him. And we, whether we're the older brother in church trying to do all the right things, or whether we're the younger brother just pushing against the boundaries, finding happiness in other ways, God's asking us just to lay down our own efforts and to run, to come home. No one is actually ever going to love us in the way Jesus does. His love is unconditional. Our love fluctuates, even the best of our love for our friends and our family. It's, it does fluctuate. We can't keep it up. So what we're going to do now, just have a, a small time of silence, just searching our hearts. Are we far away? Do we need to come home? Are we close by? But do we need to come in to the, to the love of the Father? He laid down his life to rescue us, but do we actually realize that we need to be rescued? Let's just pray for a moment. Uh, and if, you've, if you actually want to pray with somebody after the service today about any of the situations that you're in, whether you feel far away or whether you feel close by but not quite there, then find somebody in your cell group, somebody that's sitting next to you in the pew. Um, we need each other in this journey. We need to, to pray with each other through these situations. So we'll have a few moments of quiet if I would shut up. <laughs> and then we're going to sing about the rescuing God that we have. Let's pray. simple way just to get us get our minds into what uh, Jesus is talking about just to recap if you know something's well and clear and or you heard it too many times already um, you see Joshua Benjamin and Johan the three boys and in the beginning Benjamin comes to to Joshua and says hey you need to give me the money back 500 euros for a ps5 Joshua says I bought a controller with an you know the, the other money so and he says, all right, I forgive you. It's fine, we'll leave it. Let's go. And then the same Joshua, who was you know, forgiven of his debt, comes and starts harassing Johan for that two euro 50 panini that uh, he bought from the school canteen. And Benjamin comes in and says, you know, I forgave your big debt. And, uh, and the peacemaker Maria comes in and says, is it all worth it? You know, you've, you've, you've known each other for so long. And that's where you see the cute picture of the three boys. And we have the younger brothers, aka the persecutors. Elijah and Caleb come in and say, oh, these Christians, you know, they keep on saying they're Christians and they go to church and they sing the songs and oh, the Christians. And the boys realize it's hard. It's hard to be Christians. It's hard to, to be in Christ, not just do what Christ asked us to do. And the peacemaker gives them an idea, you know, why don't, oh, sorry, Yo, uh, Johan gives, gives them an idea, you know, why don't we invite them as well 
to our pizza night. So hopefully some sense can be knocked into these two um, when they come and join them together and the, the older boys can show them what it means to, to live in Christ. So that's the, the gist of what happened in the video. And, um, and at this stage from the verses that we read, it stops right in the middle of um, showing mercy. And I think it, it hinges so much on the mercy of God. Now, the first four invitations that, that Pamela spoke of, these are announcements of poverty, poverty of our spirit, uh, literal poverty, being poor, uh, poverty of joy, poverty of um, uh, power, um, poverty of righteousness. And with this announcement, we slowly shift from that, that sense of poverty into responding to what that invitation is from God. God is on our side, and there's no reason for him to be on our side, just we, we haven't done anything. The invitation is to receive this mercy and to pass it on to others. Others also don't you know, need it, but that is our, the, the invitation to receive it and pass it on. Now we have received mercy, as I said, freely from God. And as we have received freely, we give freely. But sometimes we are not aware of what we have received. And we are much stingier when it comes to, to giving it out. Now in this kit, you saw Joshua wasn't aware of that mercy he received from, from Benjamin. Um, and out of that lack of awareness, um, he lacked giving out to Johan. We need mercy every day, and we need to show that. Jesus is not just giving us something, he's giving himself. And the invitation is for us to also give ourselves out. Jesus said, whoever loses their lives, uh, Jesus said, who lose their lives, find it. How do we be merciful? How do we show mercy? The first thing is that we need to quieten all the noises that we hear in our lives that tell us that we're not good enough. We, or that I'll never be enough. And it's that contrasting voice of I am not that contrasts against the voice of the true God, I am, that Jesus says I am. So showing mercy to ourselves is the beginning of that journey. He brings us the wholeness and redemption. Rajesh, can you show the slide? Be aware of the depth of mercy that you have received and give out of this completely to those around us. Now the next verse goes into being pure in heart. What does that mean, pure in heart? Blessed are the pure in heart for they will see God. Now in Psalm 24, it says, who may ascend the mountain of the Lord? Who may ascend, who may stand in his holy place? The one who has clean hands and a pure heart. Now, I can never live up to that, you know, pure heart to be clean like that. But the announcement, these beatitude, the, the invitation is of grace and mercy. And it's not something to achieve. Jesus is announcing that God is on our side. And this is not about living the perfect set of rules. The message says, 
the, the message translation of this verse says, you are blessed when you get your inside world, your mind and heart put right, then you can see God on the outside world. This is about what's going on inside. Now, pure heart is an undivided heart. What divides our heart? Shame, regret, sense of uh, loss of purpose in our life. Now, we don't want to experience all that, so we put that down. We put up this, you know, a front, or we, we put up in a way that we want to be accepted by, by others around us. Uh, or perhaps I think, you know, I don't, want to, I don't want to say exactly what I feel because I don't know how the other person's going to respond. This is that between the true self and the false self. What is going on inside is different from what is seen outside. Now, how do we reconcile all these broken pieces together? Now, when, for those of us who have children or who have seen children, especially in supermarkets, when they, you know, they put up this tantrum, they show it for a moment because they're hungry, they want something, they're upset, and the next minute when they have got it, they're completely fine. Now that kind of showing our true self gets beaten out of our lives when we, we grow up, when we are adults. And it gets more and more difficult to show our true self, our vulnerability. And that, that whole experience, experiencing the world as a child gets, gets lost. It's not that we as adults are putting up actual tantrums, but it's that feeling that of, of just being in awe and in wonder of the things around us, creation, the, the moments that we have when we sit together with friends or family and, and we have that, that moment. And that's bigger than us. It's, it's in these moments to be that we realize who, who our true self is. Let your heart become whole again through this idea of wonder and awe. And this allows us to recognize things around us that are greater than who we are. We stop to listen and hear the response as to why we feel this way or why something moves us. Now, in, uh, when Moses ran away from his princely life in Egypt, and he was tending his, the, the sheep of his father-in-law, being a shepherd. I'm sure he's seen his share of um, bushfires or sandstorms and things like that. But he stops at a certain bush and he sees this bush burning and he stops to recognize that moment. And it's in that moment we meet God. Now, as Pamela said, the father, of the, the, the father in the story of the two sons the father forgave the, the moral failings of the son, but yet God is tough on pride. You see it in the, the Pharisees, the teachers of the law who put up that front of showing that they are great because they follow these set of rules. If they've done all the, I don't know, 360 rules in the Leviticus, you know, they've done that, putting on a show. Now these aspects of pride seeks independence. I don't want to be known for, the, for who I am, so I put up this front. And children have no problem recognizing that dependence on their parents. The goal of Christian maturity is not independence. The goal is recognizing our moment-by-moment -moment dependence on God. Now, when we say yes to the goodness and grace of God, he puts our hearts together and makes us 
more willing and more whole to then pass on and show that kindness and grace to, to others around us. <clears throat> now, we don't want to be seen as the, how the persecutors in the Christian, uh, in the skit, uh, uh, showed the boys. You know, they're just trying to be Christians, going to church, singing songs, trying to do good. Blessed is their undivided heart, for they shall see God. Now, these are not fulfilled already. We are on that journey with God, and we are taking that steps to get that it's not achieved, it's not done. We are on that journey, and that's what we need to remember. We're not going to be completely pure of heart as long as we're here on this earth. The next slide. Now, God is with us and for us, and the invitation to live from our true self with others and God, and to accept other people living from their true life, true, true self. Now, a heart from that place can, can pray as the psalmist prayed. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. And see if there is any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. This is my prayer. This is our prayer. Now, the, the step by step moves on to the next one. Peacemakers. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Now, peacemakers are people who don't live in fear. We, we fear, we have that fear, but we are not living in a place of fear. We're living in a place of, of love that we receive from God. Now, how do we be peacemakers in the place that we are in? Now, Maria came and um, reminded them of who they are to each other and asked, is it worth it? Now, we can be that hope giver in a time of difficulty to others. Peacemaking is an act of not being selfish, but giving without thinking about ourselves. He wants to bring, Jesus wants to bring more wholeness and healing to our hearts and eventually bring harmony between ourselves. And wholeness, I, I talk about wholeness and healing, and they are not something that happens just like that. It is a process, it is an incremental process, that journey with God. And we can't fast track it we can't just say oh we receive christ we are whole we are we are healed it is a process and it's in this journey that we discover who god is and he wants to walk with us in this journey because it's in this journey that we really see his character if we just received it instantly we would not see it we wouldn't see who god is and we can't have that relationship next slide my prayer is, may our hearts be filled with that shalom peace, with that many-sided wholeness that God wants to bring to us. And may we overflow with that wholeness to the world around us. Let us be peacemakers in that sense. Now the last bit, persecuted. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness and justice for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Now the message translation says, you are blessed when your commitment to God provokes persecution. The persecution drives you even deeper into God's kingdom. Surely, like how Pamela said, surely you can't be blessed if you're persecuted. That is such an upside down thought, isn't it? 
Now, how we can make sense of that is by using the idea that the blessing is, is God on our side, in the middle of our persecution, in the middle of our suffering, because of our faith or, or something that we are standing up for. Now, when we think of persecution, we think of those that are martyred for their faith, far away. We're so removed from that actual persecution that goes around us. And the numbers say in this 2000 decade, there have been 1.6 million martyrs who have died for our Christian faith. 1.6 just in this 2000. And that is something for us to be aware of and to pray into this. We have to put a face to those numbers and pray for those suffering around us elsewhere. Now, what does this mean for us? Each of these announcement and invitation is also for us. Just, just because we are not, or we may not be persecuted for our faith, it doesn't mean it's not relevant to us. What am I colluding with? What am I agreeing with in this world? The rush for making money, cutting corners, um, putting someone down so that I can be above him or her. In our workplaces, um, you know, in teenagers in schools, I can imagine that sitting together, making fun of somebody else, using obscene or bad language against somebody. We might be not saying it out, but we're sitting along with them. Am I agreeing with these things? Am I, you know, just going on that fast lane or am I swimming upstream against that dominant culture that says, I look after myself and I look after my family, it's, it's me. What am I saying yes to? What am I standing up for? How am I adding my voice to things that matter? How am I standing in that gap? Now the invitation for us is to create a culture of, uh, a culture that reflects God's kingdom, that reflects the, the righteous rule of what God is trying to do in this world. So am I intentionally saying no to, um, to things that are contrary to the kingdom of God? Am I saying yes to things that represent the kingdom of God here on earth? We are invited to wrestle with this concept, to think about it, to, to show love to those that uh, persecute us, to show love to those who make fun of us, as you saw in this kid. Now that, that small and simple way was shown in, in this kit, you know, when Elijah and Caleb came and made fun of them for their faith. It's a very simple, very, just a, it's just an essence to show what it might seem like. Now Jesus said, don't be afraid, I'm here. I will never leave you nor forsake you. He's not saying I'm gonna come in and fix the situation. He's not saying that. He's saying he is in, in it with us. Now, this is the life we are included in, called to live the way Jesus um, lived. And my prayer is that, Lord, help me see and to repent of the times that I have been the persecutor. Help me to live in ways that is not going to follow just the ways of the world. Now, usually, you know, other churches, when they do messages on the Beatitudes, it's done in each verse each week. You know, it's just, you know, the whole eight or nine of them are done in, in, in nine or 10 weeks. 
and we've just tried to show a, a quick gist of what it means to live in God's kingdom. So let us think about these things. Let us think about what um, we are doing with these, this, this invitation that God has given us. And um, we can move on to the next song.